Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. Happy Triazaki to you all. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. And of course, host number dose, Casey Clapp. Hello, Alex. Hello, everyone out there in the world. Hello, Casey. What a beautiful song that is. It isn't it? It really is. It's sort of the honorable mention of this month because... Uh, Howl's Moving Castle is a, a fan favorite. Is, uh, all of his films are fan favorites. Is that a is that is that a song from that Howl's Moving Castle? Yes. Gotcha. And so this is sort of like a little accommodation to Howl's and and Howl in his Moving Castle. Uh, happy Triazaki, everybody! Happy Triazaki, Alex! Happy Triazaki, Casey! Thank you. It's the most wonderful time of the year. What is this? We are doing a month of episodes. Based on the films by Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah, Casey, um, have you ever watched a Miyazaki film before this this <laughs> series? <laughs> before last week? Yeah. No, I have not. Amazing. It is not my uh, my style of film. I tend to... Sure. I, I mean, I have moved out of the phase of even watching like uh, uh, too many animated things specifically. Mm-hmm. But the... When, what was it? Uh, the, the What's the... There's Sailor Moon was sure, one back sure. when I was a kid. And then there was the other, uh, Dragon Ball Z. Uh-huh. I did not like Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, just like, not a fan of the of the anime, the yeah, uh, Japanese anime style. I am not, I've never been. Yeah, it was always just like very comic book style. Mm-hmm. And I've never been drawn to comic books as a style of artistry. I gotcha. Yeah. Right on. So I watched my first one last week. Yes. It, it, was, uh, it was this one, Spirited Away. That's right, Casey. Well, I, I'm... I'm more familiar with his works than you are. Yes, you, but you are like this is kind of your your thing. You are not, very into I mean, this. not not like as much as some people. Mm. I know there are people out there who Studio Ghibli Ghibli um, is like th- is like their religion yeah. or something. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, but I am a big fan, and I think that his works are seminal and important mm. and beautiful yeah i will say the art in the uh in this movie was really good i was yeah. just like wow that's really well done like the background kind of like oh. layered collages of greenery and things I was amazing like, it's really beautiful yeah so i i went through a phase a few months ago where i was like watching as many of them as i could find on hbo max really? yeah and i watched both the japanese version and the english dub version wow because i i hate to admit it but they are different oh I'm, oh no of course beyond yeah. just the duh you know like they it's a complete it's almost feels like a completely different film really um yeah to me but huh. i i'm very excited for triyazaki month because miyazaki kind of one of the cornerstones of his storytelling 
is nature. Yes. And humans, specifically humans' relationship with the natural world, mm-hmm. with the spiritual world. And in Japan, these two things yeah. are combined. Yeah, the same. That's right. Yeah. And Casey, I'm very excited to talk about this today because we are talking about Shinto. Yes. Now, for people who don't know what Shinto is, can you give us a little tweet version, 140 characters? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. None of, none of those yeah, yeah, yeahs count, by the way. Oh, yeah. Starting now. Shinto is the indigenous religion of Japan. And it is, I would argue, an analogous to the indigenous spiritual beliefs of Native Americans in the United States prior to European conquest. Cool. Essentially, it's animism. Yes, that's right, Casey. Shinto, we're talking about Shinto today. We're talking Mm -hmm. about Spirited Away. We're talking about Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli. Um, But we also have some other news. Yes, we do. A couple big things, Casey. Yeah, some big things. Some some big changes at Completely Arbitrary. And one of them, of course, is that we are moving away from Patreon. That's right. We are now on our own premium service. That's right. Called... Tremium. Wow, okay, cool, great. Yeah. What if we had a tremium service that we called premium? Wow. that would freak people out? That's a little too meta. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, all right, that's fair. Uh, so yes, the way that people, including you, hopefully support the podcast now has changed a lot. That's right. We are moving away from Patreon. It has served us well, but we are... This, the, our future is bright, Casey. It is bright. We're now, uh, what we have, we've con- condensed our, our offerings. So That's now right. you have these two options to join and support. That is the Tree Huggers level, which mm-hmm. is $6. And that gets you extra bonus content. It gets you extra access to new live stuff that we do, uh, early access to some cool stuff. And the best part ad free listeners. Huge. You can listen to the whole thing, and the best other thing, the big reason, one of the big reasons that we switched uh, to this new premium, premium service, mm. service, is that it is able to be put directly into your feed. So yes. you can go to Spotify, and you can listen to it straight through. So you can essentially skip the line. You don't have to go to a different app. It's just all right there. That's right. Um, we're very excited. There's also, of course, we couldn't, hey, we couldn't get rid of the Cone Club. There's no way we could do that. We've we've condensed the name. Even the Cone of the Month Club is now the Cone Club. The Cone Club. We've we also debated uh, Club Cone, which is very cool. Yeah, it's very German, I think. <laughs> so yeah. So. Welcome to Club Cone. It would have been like, oh my gosh, I love this place. <laughs> Look at how they dance. Everybody's drinking milk. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um. Milk. Uh, all of our German fans are like, no. Well, shut up, man. Nuh-uh. Uh, that's where you get monthly cone stickers illustrated by different artists. We have a very exciting one coming up this month. Um, so if you already support us on Patreon, Mm -hmm. we sent you an email with the, with, uh, through the email address that you signed up with. Yes. Send you an email with all the information and a link to a migration tool. That's right. That's important. That's very important because if you already support us on Patreon, you use that migration tool. You're going to be grandfathered in at the tier you're at right now. Exactly. So if you're paying $5 for the what is now the Tree Huggers tier, you can keep it for $5. That's right. Definitely. That's right. Same thing for the Cone of the Month Club. It is now at $12. We had to adjust for inflation. All these fun things that everyone says when they raise their prices. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, if you are currently in the Cone of the Month Club, then you get grandfathered in at $10 as long as you remain in the club. That's right. So, And to anybody who is thinking, man, 
I would really love to support this podcast. I've been listening for a little while. Or to anyone who's thinking, hey, you know what? I know my my niece or my uh, my cousin really loves this show. That tree friend that you yes. have that you're just like, man, I just want to get them a gift. Even if they don't listen to the show, the Cone of the Month Club is kind of perfect. True. If you have a friend who just likes stickers, yeah, this is a great opportunity. Absolutely. Because you can gift them a subscription. That's right, Casey. We now have gifted subscribers. I just shifted into... Uh, uh, Steve Jobs mode uh, announcing yeah. the, the That's first right. iPod. That's right. You can now gift subscriptions to our premium service, our premium platform to your friends, family, coworkers, anybody who loves trees or completely arbitrary. That's right. And you can get annual subscriptions, Casey, which means you save 17% on a mm-hmm. monthly subscription. So That's you just right. pay once for the year and you're good. You just good enjoy. Go. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a big, that's a big thing happening. That's over a big here, thing Casey. that's happened. Yeah. So, so jump on board and, uh, yeah, you, uh, you, you'll, you'll be hearing about it. Lest we forget that's arbitrarypod.supercast.com. That's arbitrary pod, A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod dot supercast. That's right. Dot com. Go get it. And Casey. Huh? There's more news. What? That's right. We're having a sale. And more? <laughs> and more. We're having a merch sale right now. That's right. A December long merch sale. The entire month of December, I believe it's 10% off? Casey, I believe it's 20% off. 20% off uh, everything now, I don't, in the store. I don't know if we can do this, but uh, I'm getting the nod. Yeah, yeah. we're going to go 20%. We did it. Congratulations, Alex. <laughs> we just redid all of our shirts, all of our stickers. So if you want something, go buy it. Yep. And it's uh, coupon code TREES. That's right. So go get yourself some arbitrary merch. Go get yourself a brand new premium subscription. Become a premium member today. Mm-hmm. Arbitrarypod.supercast.com. Get yourself some merch at arbitrarypod.com slash merch. And stay tuned. For Triazaki, we will be right back with Spirited Away here on Completely Arbitrary. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back hmm. to Completely Arbitrary. Triazaki. Wow. Are you excited? You f- you f- everything feels very low right now, Alex. Very much like, hey, well, welcome. Yeah, I guess I could pump up the energy a no, little. <laughs> not, not, not in a negative way. I'm just okay, like, okay. I thought you were doing it on purpose. I thought you were bringing it down. Like a lounge kind exactly. of vibe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When we talk about Miyazaki, well, we are, we're pretty much, uh, we're in a karaoke bar, but sans karaoke. Well, Casey, maybe. Sans bar. May- <laughs> we're just standing in a we're room. We're just standing in a room, but it's very cool. How about this, Casey? We, we're at a bathhouse. Oh. Huh. <laughs> As is as is uh, as is the setting of Spirited Away. That's exactly what we're going to be doing. Um, Casey, today we, we are talking about the 
Sakagi. Yes. I was waiting. I wasn't sure if we if you were gonna say the scientific name or what it is, but yes, you got it right. Sakaki. Cool. Thank you. Uh and I learned how to say this name. I, I looked it up on the internet as I am one to do. And it is uh Sakaki. Yes. And I love that. I have to remember that Japanese pronunciations are vastly different than pronunciations of Latin based languages. Yes. So it's very hard for me to like not do Sakaki. A, a good rule of thumb that I kinda go by. I know this isn't like proper this isn't taught, I don't know, uh-huh. but like shift the emphasis one syllable back of where you would normally feel it would go. Uh, yeah, right? it still is confusing because I, I don't think I learned like what emphasis I put on what syllables before you brought it up sometime during oh, this podcast. Sure. Not literally this one, but in, in, in completely <laughs> arbitrary's universe. So... Yes, that is true. And I also learned that at the end, the, uh, it's not it's not sakaki, it's like sakaki. Like, it's almost like the eye disappears before it even gets there. Wow. Hey, yeah. more more spirited away uh, mm, parallels disappearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Casey, well, let's imagine that you and I are on the grounds of a bathhouse oh. for spirits. All right. And we come across some sakaki. Ah, let's ID this tree. Well, the first thing you'll notice is that it is not necessarily inside the bathhouse or necessarily inside the temple. It could be. There might be a little sprig. Mm. There might be a little bit in the very, very front or in the uh, the middle. But it is actually planted and grown around the outside. In fact, Sakaki is probably more of a translation of border tree than necessarily sacred tree. Interesting. Yeah, there's a couple different etymological varieties of where it came from. But it's ultimately called that because it has been planted around spiritual places or gardens or things like that for thousands of years. Is this like a protection thing? You know, it kind of is. I've actually kind of read two different things. Okay. Where it's somewhat of a protection thing where it is not necessarily keeping things away, but it just shows that this is a spiritual, a highly spiritual place. You kind know? of a mark of like, okay, this is a new area. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it's not keeping anything out like it, because it also was used, um, like if there's a little sprig in it, it's actually used by priests to bring spirits in and welcome them and say, hey, come on into this space wow so it's almost a plant that is uh is used as a um it's kind of a going and coming and a welcoming kind of thing like, i love that yeah it's it's used as a uh as a bitter it bids you adieu ah adieu. bids you hello <laughs> adieu is goodbye isn't it wow and french well shit <laughs> i have to say casey i'm seeing i don't i mean i don't want to poke this episode full of parallels mm. So another parallel here, or my first of many probably, Mm -hmm. with kind of entering a new space. This space is for, um, this space is spiritual. Yeah. Right? I think of Tory Gates. Do you know Tory Gate? I'm not sure that I do. Imagine this, two poles going up uh, with a sort of um, curved beam connecting them on top. Yes, I do know these. Um, This is a Tory Gate. And ah. it is meant to symbolize, uh, to denote rather, this is a place for of spirits of spiritual things. Yeah, I see. Okay. Um, so you'll see them at the front of temples and. Yeah, I have. In um, fact, I believe that's exactly what I'm imagining right now. And you'll see them in the first scene of Spirited Away when they're when they're driving their car into the uh, on the back country road. Yeah. They pass a big tree. Which uh-huh. I want you to ID that tree, by the way. Oh. And. 
kind of leaned up against it as a decommissioned Tory gate. Oh, I see. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, this this is definitely going to happen throughout because you I did research on the the show, the movie itself, and actually like tried to find where all these parallels were because yeah. I do not understand or am familiar with uh, Shinto the way that. Anyone else who's actually in Japan or has these beliefs or has even done a significant amount of study, I study the trees. Yeah. And then I also look at all these other things that have to do with it. Uh, So... First off, I can't say that I am a Shinto expert here. Well, I'm pretty sure I pronounce every single one of the words incorrectly. (laughs) That's strange to me because on your business card, it says dendrologist and Shinto expert. Where did you get that business card? (laughs) I got rid of those years ago. Well, that is, uh, yeah, so it's, um, I was trying to learn all of these different spiritual kind of things yeah. that were in the movie that I didn't understand. Totally. And so it was actually kind of fun to do that. And this is one of the things, but I didn't see, interestingly, too much of this tree in the movie. And I was watching. Wow. I was trying to look for it. But it's, uh, it's it, I think it's a little bit different in that the movie is playing a different role than the plant does. So the plant is not your, the plant in instance or in kind of uh, the larger scheme, it would be at the very entrance of the bathhouse mm, mm-hmm. potentially, but it's already in the spiritual realm. So like you're, you're just spirits are going to the bathhouse. Yeah. They're yeah. Not necessarily like uh, coming from a non-spiritual realm or in a different spiritual realm to this realm. Does that make sense? They're not like materializing in the bathhouse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I was looking for it. I didn't see it. So I was like, all right, well, I can't see this tree, so I'm going to have to identify it myself. Wow. It's very frustrating. (laughs) Casey. Casey just gave a great like, ugh, these these guys. Google, (laughs) tell me about the Claria Japonica. Claria Japonica, that's what we're working with. That's exactly what we're working with, Claria Japonica. So this is a plant that used to be in the tea family. It's very closely related to it. And now it is in the Pentaphylaceaceae, or (laughs) Pentaphylaceae, now it's in the Pentaphylaceaceae. Pentaphylacaceae. I think that's how it's Wow, pronounced. I see it here. Oh yeah, my gosh. Yeah, it's very challenging to say. What does that mean? Five leaves? I would say, I believe it means five petals. Petals, yes. okay. Yes, which uh, I, I believe a lot of other plants have five petals. In fact, very many to most of the flowering plants that are not monocots have yeah. petals in multiples of five. Okay. Um, but ultimately, that's what it means. And in fact, the uh, uh, claria is named after a German botanist named uh, Andreas Kleyer. Now, this is all I know about this guy. I do want to I do want to specify it's Kleyera. Kleyera. Yes. Oh wait. Yes. That is that's what I said. Yeah. You said Claria. Oh, Claira, I see. See, look, I'm already getting oh, it wrong. Oh, Casey, I, I don't want to see. I don't want to. I don't want to do this the whole time. Yeah, Alex, you're just gonna constantly come in, be like, uh, Casey, it's a Sakaki. <laughs> Sakaki. God dang it, Alex. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate um, that. But this guy, Andres Claire, or Clara, how would you pronounce his last name? Can you see it? It's spelled um, C L E Y E R. Claire. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Um, (laughs) That's all I know about the guy. Like, I I gave him a Google, and it just came up with, like, modern-day obituaries, as it does. But he's from the 1600s. He's a botanist. Um, And that's where where it ends. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, Alex. See, 
<laughs> Sounds like your classic spirit. It does. Yeah, yeah. He, he classic spirit. So he is the German physician spirit of this plant. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, but actually, the, the name of the plant uh, is far more interesting uh, because Sakaki means literally sacred tree or divine tree. Oh. Um, also, like I said, could mean border tree. And it is, interestingly... The characters, uh, so Japanese, the written language yeah. is from, initially, it's kind of uh, taken from Chinese. Right. So a lot of the characters that are in Japanese are of Chinese origin. Okay. However, there are some that have been made and created strictly for and by the Japanese. That's cool. So this is one of those word. And so this is, uh, so if it's just the, the characters, it's called kanji. And now if it is made by Japanese people for Japanese people, then it is called a wasi kanji. And those are specific to certain things of and for Japan. Interesting. Now, this is interesting also because, Alex, that means that when you read it, that denotes that the thing that it is referring to, actually, I should say, connotes that the thing that it is referring to is both literally the thing it's naming, but also it gives you this kind of metadata that it is of <laughs> Japan because the wow. word itself is a Japanese word of Japanese origin. Cool. So, yeah, it's really kind of fun. That's really interesting. Way more interesting than Andres Clara, a <laughs> Dutch physician that no one knows anything about anymore. Oh, sorry, Andres. Yeah, anyway. But the tree itself, Alex, I know that's really what we want to hear about. Sure. I have to say, before we get any further, that we are talking about this as a tree in its native habitat, mm. where it grows as a small evergreen shrub tree thing to about 30 feet. Okay. If hey. you plant it outside of that, Thir- it doesn't get to tree height. Oh, it, oh, oh. Uh, yeah, so just... just Looking around, you see one at the uh, mm. some garden outside of Japan or Taiwan yeah. or mainland China. Don't look at it. I do notice a lot of these images are of what appear to be, and I'll just say it, a bush. It's a bush. It's a tiny. It's not even a shrub. It's a bush. bush. Like it's just. <laughs> it is a small thing, and yeah. I think that the reason it is, mm. uh, it looks like that often, is that it's pruned and like consistently clipped because they use sprigs of it in all sorts of different spiritual things uh-huh. so i think that it's actually kept low not necessarily on purpose but purposefully trimmed interesting case but i cannot confirm nor deny that i mean images of it also look like it's sort of ripe for topiary yeah art which is you know if there's anything that the japanese are good at it's oh. making things into useful forms yeah and they'd say well if we're going to be cutting this then let's keep it really low so whenever it grows up we can just cut it at the height of where we cut things as opposed to figuring out like wow we're gonna have to climb this tree we're gonna have to do this like it's always it's very intentional means of pruning right wow yeah so that is very likely why uh in many places, it's seen as a shrub, but if you are in the natural forest, in fact, the evergreen forests of oak trees, which I thought was so fascinating. Oh. There are many different native oak trees in like evergreen species of plant uh-huh. that grow in southern Japan. How about that? And it tends to actually uh, create this this kind of evergreen tall forest with also a couple species of pines. But then underneath are these little like uh, these little trees that look like kind of second story is what everyone's kind of referring to it as. Oh. It's kind of like the understory of evergreen plants in an otherwise larger overstory of evergreen oak species. It sounds beautiful. Yeah, it really does. And that's where our little tree grows up to 30 feet in this native habitat. Okay. So it grows up and it is, uh, like I said, small shrubby kind of tree. It has alternately arranged leaves Mm. that are 
really robustly like glossy evergreen leathery things these are yeah you can tell that these are like they put an extra coat on for the winter yeah that's a great description like they are really thick leathery glossy you can tell right away that they're evergreen yeah because like it's like oh uh broadleaf like deciduous trees don't need to be that no, tough they don't care they, <laughs> they just let it go and they're like i just i when fall comes i'm gonna lose you anyway yeah so like Let's just let's just wait for September to end. They so wow, Billy Joel. God, I always uh. want to say Joel. Um, <laughs> yeah, they look a little bit like miniature uh, magnolia leaves. Casey. Yes, they really do. Yeah, yeah, totally true. Uh, and so they grow there. They are evergreen and are uh, underneath. They're actually they look very similar to camellias. So if you flip them, they have a similar thing as camellias, where it's mm. kind of like a a lighter green, almost yellowish green on the bottom. Yeah, I see that. So these are maybe about three to four inches long, and they, when they emerge in the early spring, they are a like dark coppery red color. Mm. And this is probably, it's actually something that a lot of plants do. They emerge red, and that is because they have anthocyanins in their, uh, it's a pigment in their foliage. God bless you. Yes, thank you. Excuse me. So the anthocyanin, I need another tissue, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> anthocyanins uh yeah they create the red colors that you see in the fall huh. uh, and that kind of thing okay as well and they, uh, that's okay really quickly please. i'm a little bit shocked here because i always think that that red color when they first sprout is just um an absence of chlorophyll like they haven't they haven't built up their chlorophyll yet yes is that but now I'm learning that it's a whole new thing that m- specifically makes that color, not the ah. absence of chlorophyll. Well, you can think about it a little bit of both. Okay. Where Same thing in the fall. When leaves take the chlorophyll away and they start deconstructing it, there are other pigments in the leaves that are left over, and that's the ones that you see. Oh, okay. But it is also very likely that they're also producing these to kind of take the place of the chlorophyll. I got you. So in this case, they are there first as the leaves start coming out. They have these other redder pigments in them. Those red pigments essentially do the same thing as melanin does in our skin, where Mm. it kind of protects us from really harsh rays of the sun. So it does the same thing for plants. It protects them. They're nice little fresh growth that hasn't put on all of its extra tough layers and things. Interesting. So it's a little bit of likely both, where there isn't enough chlorophyll, but there's also just these very tender leaves coming out, so they put certain colors to be a little bit protective once they get their nice epidermis and everything in order then they fill it with the green protective stuff gotcha cool so comes out and it looks very beautiful i'm sure there's probably most photos that anyone has ever seen of this is probably showing it kind of mid mid coppery greenish moment yeah looks a lot like photinia actually which is a very common shrub you get especially out here in the west interesting so after the leaves first emerge their new foliage comes out because remember they're evergreen so they'll always have their older foliage on Mm. they put out these adorable little flowers Uh, i just love these flowers they're great they look to me like um i don't they look like there's a certain kind of shoe and i don't know why this reminds me but it's a it's like a woman's shoe that is almost like a lacy flat slipper but not slipper you know 
Like, it's like a ballet shoe? Not quite a ballet shoe. Just like, I'll, I'm going to go out. It's a nice day. We're going to go to brunch. And I'm going to put on a dress. I'm going to look nice. Uh-huh. It, it's not a high heel. It's not a fancy shoe. But it's more than it's more than a uh, your standard Vans or something. Okay, you know? like it's, yeah. It's kind of like a step up in elegance with like a nice little curved toe. Like, it's a very specific kind of shoe. Okay, does it that, have a buckle on top, Casey? Not, or a strap? Not really, no. You just slide your foot in. Okay, it's closed-toed? Yeah, closed-toed. Okay. Oh, it's going to bother me. I'm sorry. It's, it is <laughs> I don't a, know what it is. I think it's it's just a style of footwear. Like, there's uh, okay. no brand or anything like that. Like, I have just noticed throughout my life uh-huh. that, like, I am not a shoe person, but for whatever reason, whenever I've seen those shoes, I'm like, those are the cutest goddamn shoes <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah. And I think it's just that they are, like, normally this creamy white color, uh-huh. and they have this, like, rounded toe, and they are just like this flower. Wow. I don't know why, but I think they have like these adorable little curved petals and their stamens on the inside with the little pollen on it just have a little bit of like orange brown color to them. So they look almost like they're kind of dotted, but you have to look closer and you realize, oh, they're not dotted. They're, they're perfectly pale. Totally. I don't know. They just look just like it. If I could even imagine and say, oh, it looks like these little slip on, flats uh-huh. then i would pull up a picture and i'd show you and you'd oh. be like oh my god they are the footwear manifestation of the sakaki tree well if we're ever out together and you see a woman wearing these shoes <laughs> we'd go there they are there are the shoes get them the sakaki flower shoes yeah exactly and then watch her immediately run away and be like, who are these guys oh, sorry yeah, yeah. um I, I will say at first glance i look at these flowers and i'm like uh, utility flower Ugh. and then I spend some time with yeah, them and I'm like no 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 these are not utility flowers these are gorgeous delicate little graceful flowers yes exactly they're very delicate and graceful I think that's a perfect way to describe it mm-hmm. they are perfect flowers so they have both male and female parts ah, in yes. them they are also very fragrant and they come out in the axles of the leaf mm-hmm. now if you have not known what an axle is of a leaf let me first say, there's going to be a great book coming out in 2025. going to explain everything about wow. it. Wow. There's also uh, lots of different definitions you can find on the internet, but mm. just hold on until the book comes out and read that. They are, it's the space, the angle between the branch and the actual stem, the petiole of the leaf. So it's not necessarily, it's just that space. The axle, it's almost like your armpit, but it's not the literal pit. It's the space between your arm and your torso. I got it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's where they come out. They just pop out between the two. Interesting. Yeah. They're usually singular, solitary flowers, but sometimes they come out in little bundles of maybe two to five. And then they mature into a red berry that then matures into a black berry. Can you eat these? I don't think you can. I've not seen anything okay. that says you can. Uh, and usually something says that. Like, yeah. oh, they're sweet and juicy. Yeah, I got a little whoop. I got a little, uh, my radar started going off when you said a little red berry. Because in Spirited Away, Haku feeds Chihiro, the, oh, the girl yeah. from the human world, a little red berry. He says, eat this so you don't fucking disappear. Yes, you don't disappear. Yeah. And what? she eats it and she she becomes opaque. <laughs> yeah, and she becomes opaque again. I thought maybe that was a sakaki flower. Uh, uh, yeah. Berry. I don't I have not found anything that says that it is. Probably something else. Yes. I'm yeah, I'm very curious because I haven't also I have not heard that in any of this uh this whole kind of discussion uh-huh. that they are the fruit themselves are used. It's really the leaves that everyone focuses on. Okay. 
Now, before we get to that, though, we have to finally talk about the bark. And that's it. <laughs> the bark is so lame. I was really hoping it was going to be interesting, and it's just got—it's just—it's no. just got so little to it. Uh, Casey, I'm going to give it a pass. I'll tell you why. Why? What? This because is, okay. I think utility bark is completely acceptable here, because there is already so much happening with this tree. What? It, if it had incredible bark, I'd be like, yeah, you're guilt. You're kind of like it's a hat on a hat. Like focus on Ugh. the um the spiritual practice aspect of it, right? I I don't know about this. This is my this is one man's opinion, but I think that I can give it a pass on its boring as shit ugly bark <sighs> because it's because it's so important to this whole other it's like oh, it's like not even the point, you know? I guess that's fine, but you know what? Any good designer would take a look at everything and i'm not in any way claiming that someone designed this tree however i don't think you should get a pass i think i think we need to make sure to know like hey great 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 Ooh, three out of 10 yeah all right that's fair go ahead and drag it that's fine i will drag it you uplift it and then at the end of the day it will just be completely neutral a perfect five cones the same kind of cone <laughs> that the bark is okay <laughs> Oh, and that's it. That's how you recognize it. Okay. It's a a beautiful plant. You can find it often while you're walking into or around a shrine. That's where Mm. it'd be planted or a temple. Okay. Um, But also like outside people's gardens and that kind of thing. But it also just is a very commonly grown plant. You can actually find it over in the United States, but it likes to be in the little warmer areas. So you're Mm. not probably going to find it up too high because it can only go to i think a usda zone eight which is just recently moved just a little bit further up than where it used to be wow oh that's 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 loaded Uh uh-huh oh yeah it is oh yeah jesus well that's our tree that is our tree and now of course everyone's next question is what the hell does this tree have to do with anything we're talking about yeah case well let me ask you What the hell does this tree have to do with anything we're talking about? He said it just like me, Alex. That was really good. <laughs> well, it turns out, as you are aware, that this tree is like known as, like whenever you Google it, uh, do anything with it, it's literally described as the sacred tree yes. of Japan. There's way more material on a Google search about its role in Shinto than there is about the tree itself. Yes, which is very curious to me because... The tree itself, like it, it has not been made clear to me hmm. exactly why this tree was chosen or found itself in this. Wow. Aside from one specific story. Oh my God. But there might be an apple slash quince issue <sighs> happening here. What Casey's referring to, of course, is that. Apple has kind of stolen valor. Yes. That should belong to the quince or that does belong to the quince. Exactly. With like mistranslations and everything is just been bastardized by the apple. Yeah. It was all just of one big fraud. Wow. However, I'm not claiming that with this. Okay. It's actually more of a linguistics issue where the term apparently used to just apply to any evergreen broadleaf tree. So what term? The term like a uh, sakaki, mm. like that name. Sakaki. Sakaki. Excuse me. Sorry. Sakaki. Mm-hmm. It was generally uh, kind of like corn used to be, where before 
corn, ZMA is the plant that we eat and call corn. Uh-huh. Before that was discovered, the term corn in English just referred to a grain of any sort. So corn was any grain, and now it only refers to the one grain that we call corn. Sure. This is also potentially what happened with this, where you had sakaki that was generally an evergreen plant, but then over time, that evergreen plant was known to be uh, Cluria japonica. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, are you familiar with this story? No, not even at all. Oh my God. It's such an interesting story. Listen, unless it's about a 10-year-old girl whose parents turn into pigs and starts working at a bathhouse. I don't know it. All right. Well, we're going to expand your horizons real fast, Alex. <laughs> That's the only story I've ever heard. This is this is the story of why this tree became so important in Shinto to begin with. Let's hear it. So, it initially started because there was a... Uh, it's kind of the creation myth of Japan itself, where yeah. apparently there was a god that existed only because a shoot came up from the water from the ocean and went so high became uh essentially went up to the heavens and then became a god it became a god and then that god ended up creating japan then it had two daughters two two next gods came from it Mm -hmm. and not two daughters just Two more gods, let me say. When you said a shoot, is this a shoot of a of a tr- of a plant? Yes, of a plant of some okay. kind. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This is like the OG, very beginning. This is you know the the turtles all the way down kind of thing. It all began with a shoot of a plant. Yeah, exactly. A new root, a yeah. new shoot. So this wow. uh, this god was like curious what was underneath the water. So took a staff, put it in the water, and pulled it up, and mud fell off of it. Mm. When the mud hardened, it became the islands of Japan. Wow. So then these two other gods that were kind of created ended up going down into or onto this island, just kind of explored, and were looking around, seeing what's there. And they're like, yeah, this place is pretty sweet. I think we're going to stay. So then they had... Three children, they're called the precious or the three precious children. Those children were two girls and one boy. One of the girls became the sun goddess Amaterasu. Mm. And she had a sister named Tsukuyami. Mm. And then there was their brother, the mischievous jerk Uh, Susano. Susano. I believe it's Susano. 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 Okay. And what was he the god of? The sea. Ah. Yes. So naturally, he was rambunctious and he was See. raging, caused storms. I feel like many sea or ocean or water gods are sort of just like the problem child, like Poseidon. <laughs> yeah. Which makes sense, yeah, because the ocean is so like rough and causes so much trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, giant waves and it crashes and it brings in the storms. Like it's always causing some amount of chaos. Yeah, right? yeah. Whereas land, the sun and the moon, they're up in the heavens. They just kind of move. They come and they go. Right. Very, wow. Right? That's interesting, Casey. Yeah. So uh, one time her brother just essentially had a tantrum <laughs> and Susanna O uh, ended up causing uh, what did he, he did three things that just really pissed off Amaterasu. Okay. And those were, first, he ruined her rice fields. Mm. So all the rice patties. Then he took a shit in her house, in her <laughs> is, palace. Is so, this real, Casey? This is real. Is this I your swear fan God. fiction now? <laughs> this is, and then... <laughs> he drank all of her beers. And then she got so pissed. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, this is literally it. Everyone says, oh, he uh, he defecated is wow. the term, or he uh, what dishonored or disgraced, uh, like something like that. So it, the imagery is extremely clear. I love gods. One person literally says, yeah, he just defecated in her palace. Wow. So that was the second offense. Okay. And the third was that he flayed a horse live. <sighs> threw it into the like her weaver's studio and then according to something that i read and again translations can be fun one of the weavers ended up like jamming her genitals against the weaving uh shuttle and died oh my god (laughs) so you know there's a lot of stuff going on with this this first myth uh of how essentially the sun god emma tarasu Uh ended up isolating herself in a cave because her brother Susanna O was just a complete jerk on his tantrum before he left to go into the sea and be there forever. Can I just say, wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall at that family <laughs> reunion? Yes. Oh, that would be a goddamn delight. <laughs> I feel like you could be a fly on a wall, but they'd know you're there. You know, they are gods. Of course. All, so, yeah. yeah. Oh. So, <laughs> Ended up being <laughs> that uh, she she went to this cave and she rolled this boulder in front of her and she said, I'm never coming out. So darkness fell across the land because she's the sun goddess. So the wow. sun deity, the sun kami, uh, K-A-M-I. That's right. We'll talk about kamis. Yes. So uh, she was in there and all the other gods, like some 800 other gods and kami, uh, all these different deities got together and they're like, what the hell are we going to do? Mm. Like, She's in there. She's pissed. Like, it's so dark out here. Everything sucks. We need to figure out what to do. So they got everybody together. And like I said, there's like 800 kami are like mentioned in, in this, this ancient story. Wow. And this was written down in the 700s initially. It's Japan's very first book. Oh. Yeah, let me see. It's called the Kojiki. Kojiki. The Record of Ancient Matters. Wow. I love that. That's great. So anyway, they uh, this is like the very beginning of Shinto also, I should note. Like this is kind of the big the big creation myth within yeah. this, this kind of spiritual ideology. Sure. So they uh, all these gods got together and they're very they, they have a lot of Greek god parallels here where there's like gods and goddesses and dia deities, kami, all about these different things. Mm. This is kind of the big thing with Shinto, where everything has a spirit, literally anything and the idea of something's like the wind has its own kami, rivers, trees, individual trees, rocks people ideas you know like emotions yes exactly anger, sadness yeah everything has a spirit or is represented by a spirit joy of course is voiced by amy poehler so the way that they uh, all these gods got together yeah saved the sun goddess yeah 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 they got this huge crew together and they were like all right everyone we got to get her out I have an idea. The god, of, uh, the deity of wisdom came over and said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, I need someone to go pull up that sakaki tree from this ancient mountainside. And it was a sakaki with 500 limbs. Wow. They pulled it up by the roots and they brought it over. And then at different sections, the top, middle, and the bottom, they 
started to put things in it. At the top, they put some banners. The bottom, they put some beads. In the middle, they put a big mirror. Hmm. And each one of them moved it over, and they had another one that was like really strong. Someone else had this magic rope, and they ended up getting all of the, I believe it is young roosters, like cockerels is what they call them. Hmm. And they're like just not adult roosters. They're like young juvenile roosters. Okay. Apparently, they're very annoying and loud. So they Makes got sense. all of them in this area, in this southern, uh, I believe it's kind of the southern section, to be very loud. And they just got made all the birds go caw all at once. Uh-huh. Then another one of the kami started this dance, and it was a provocative dance. Oh. Everyone else was like, like yelled and laughed and have a good time. So yeah. they all laughed all at once, very loudly. And this piqued the interest of the sun goddess. So she was like, what the hell could they be doing out there when I'm in here? There's not even any sunlight out there. How could they be having any amount of fun at all? So she rolled the rock over and was like, the hell are you guys doing? And then they responded and said, well, actually we found another, uh, another uh, god goddess out here who's like pretty, way cooler than you. And she was like, wait, what? No, and then so she peeked out further <laughs> to see who this other like greater goddess ah. was, and then they showed her the mirror and two things. One, they said it's actually you, so she just saw her oh. own reflection, uh-huh. and B, that reflection opened a uh, reflected sun out into the rest of the world, and they brought it back. Wow, isn't that a great myth? That is so great and so convoluted. So all, convoluted. All these myths. All these myths are so like they could have cut out so many steps. Yeah. I understand that they're metaphorical. <laughs> they're analogous. And they brought a pen of three different inks. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, there are there are these a uh, lot of little things uh, that I'm sure are a lost in translation. Ah, uh, sure. But b are surely uh, like have reasons for it. You know, yeah. as you go back. Like there's even like little bits and parts about uh, this plant and like certain colors. Like everything is very symbolic. And, yeah. And it has a lot of imagery to it. So I wonder once they, once they, um, the, the mirror caught the reflection of the sun. Yeah. Did the sun goddess come back out or what did they just like, uh, you know, what happened from there? Yeah. You remember that magic rope that one of the kami brought? Yeah. Pulled it across the, uh, the cave entrance. Ah. So she couldn't go back in. Of course. Can't cross that magic rope. Nope. It's Can't magical. It. It's that's magic. why it's Duh. why they made it that way. That's, that, that is in the design. How fascinating, Casey. Yeah. And then ever since this tree, the Sakaki has been explicitly seen as a welcoming thing. This is again, it kind of calls back to it when you have it in a modern temple or shrine. It is something that calls and basically says, hey, spirits, come here. So it's yeah. a welcoming kind of thing. So that is where it initially came from because it coaxed out the sun goddess. It was the big 500-branched tree yeah. that they used to get her out. Wow. So that is why it's kind of kept through this metaphor and why it initially has been so, so <clears throat> specifically called out as an important sacred tree. It's basically because it is what brought the sun back, and then all of the other spirits in the spirit world kind of have been 
allowed to be around or are still around because the sun came back out. So this is how everything really got going yeah. uh, in the whole idea of Shinto. Wow. I would love to read more about Shinto. That is so fascinating. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, very uh, like rich history. Everything has got something. Yeah. So Casey, I'm, I'm looping back here to something you said earlier, then we'll go on our break. Um, you mentioned uh, that Sakaki. Yeah could be like a apple quince thing maybe there's uh-huh. like a mistranslation like we don't know for sure that it was this species of tree yes that originally was in the book of the book of uh, ancient matters right uh, uh, potentially yes potentially yes and that you know we we now know it to be this important tree to shinto yeah but it's possible there's a prodigal son out there in the forest who's like it should be me. Yeah, theoretically. Hmm. And I, I don't know, and I don't want anyone who does, you know, have a way deeper understanding of this yeah. to come be like, well, actually, because it does come down to us as myths always do. If we say it is, then it is. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's a, you just have to believe ancient myths, ancient stories, ancient history, because at one point you just, you just don't know. And if everyone says it, then we'd be like, okay, yeah, that was it. You totally. Know? And the, 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 the thing why I think it's reasonable for us to do that is that famously the Japanese are very good at horticulture. Mm. They've been doing horticulture things with different plants for thousands of years. So it would be, mm. I think, a little uh, disingenuous of us to say, well, they couldn't tell the difference between this evergreen or that evergreen. There are, like, peoples of this era and prior had such a closer relationship with the plants. Of And this is everywhere in the world. So if it, I think it's a little hubristic of humans to, to kind of even bring that up. I bring it up because, yeah, I read it. I, I think it's important to say, well, yeah. we don't know. This was the old translation. It could be something different. But... You're not challenging it. You're not no. taking it on as your uh, personal opinion. I shall not die on that hill. No. <laughs> but it's a, I think it is a fascinating, uh, it, if we, if you consider it, and this is something I think people are, are good to do in the, the larger kind of history is to think of the context, you know, mm. like if we're just going to look at these people and say, well, they didn't know as much about plants as we do now. So we can question them. It's like, well, maybe that's accurate, but it's also accurate that they were way closer to plants and use them way more specifically. Maybe they didn't specifically know the differences of the, you know, well, these leaves and flowers are just right. a little bit different. So we know they're separate. You have to ask yourself like, does that matter? Yeah. Does maybe that knowledge matter? They just looked at the differences and just say, yeah, yeah, there's A, there's a and there's B. Like, <clears throat> right. But then, and then later we name all these things and we go deep into the genetics. Yes. And then yeah, we say, yeah. now we know about these trees. Right. They might have just said, yeah, that like tree A, B, and C are all the same because they all look the same for general purposes. Yeah. You know, this is the folk taxonomy again sure. that we've talked about a hundred times. Yeah. So they could have had a folk taxonomy that included multiple evergreen species that they all called sakaki. Mm-hmm. But then as they learned, they said, well, okay, well, this one's actually a different species for this reason or that reason. And even camellia, that's named after a person. That's a that's a last name of a guy. So we don't, I don't even know off the top of my head what the Japanese term is for that. Maybe mm. they use the same one. Maybe they all just called them sakaki. I don't know. Yeah, interesting case. So, there you go. Well, Casey, that was fascinating. I cannot wait to give the, a review to this tree. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I've got some I've got some tricks up my sleeve. Oh, here. I want to hear you tricks. And then we're <laughs> going to talk about uh, how Shinto works with the movie Spirited Away. That's right. What a great series we've we've built here. <laughs> hey, you know what? We're going to do all that, but we got to do it after a break. We will be right back with completely arbitrary's Triyazaki. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary's Triyazaki. That was our discussion of the Sakaki and its place in the origins of Shinto. That's right. Wow, Casey. Um, It is time for a review of this tree. Here's how it works. We're going to give some final thoughts on the Sakaki and then give it a rating hmm, of 0 to 10. Hokora. Now, Casey... Yes. Hokora, our little roadside stone houses meant to provide a home for Kami in the forest. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hokora. Is uh in, in the very beginning of the the film. Yes. Doesn't uh doesn't our hero Shakira Shakira? Shakira. <laughs> Ch- Chihiro. Shihiro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our hero Shakira. <laughs> she gets to the bathhouse. She, she starts twerking for all the spirits. Hey, you know what? If they're into it, they, yeah. they're all getting gold. That's what See I'm that okay. no face just throwing gold at her? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, she finds like a bunch of little houses and she literally makes a comment. Those look like little houses. Yes. They're all just like strewn and broken old things. Yeah, it almost looks like somebody just dumped them on the side of the road, but I don't think that is true. I think that those were put there for the kami. Yes. Now, what are um, they called again? Uh, these are um, Hokora. It's like little stone birdhouses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're going to give this tree a rating out of 10 Hokora. Oh, How of many honor. kami? Golden, golden Hokora of honor. Okay. How many kami would you invite to live among this tree? Oh, would you right? invite one to 10? Yes. <laughs> Casey, we'll begin uh, with you. Okay. Let's see if I can remember all these words. <laughs> how many kami can fit in so is it is it golden kami of honor or is it golden golden hokora ho- okay uh hokora hokora of honor. Yeah. hokora okay like hokora. like like yukura ho- hokora hokora all right <laughs> so we have a, an, an adorable little tree here i i have to say i really I'm kind of perplexed about it because if I am thinking of this in the good old fashioned Casey way, which is how is this a useful and enjoyable in, in a lovely plant as a tree, as a tree, yeah, as a tree, I have to say, this is, this is on that spectrum of like pomegranate and, uh, the curry leaf tree. Mm. And even like, uh, I don't know, we haven't actually done a witch hazel yet, but it's on that level. Yeah. I still want to do witch hazel. So it's, it's in that realm of little tiny trees that we have to like really be like yeah that's a that's a tree uh if you have anything to say uh don't <laughs> it's culturally insensitive to suggest that this is not a tree <laughs> thank you <laughs> so i believe that if i was just to say uh you know you should plant this i think i would say yes you should mm-hmm. uh i have not heard that it's invasive it looks beautiful the yeah. foliage is like a really stunning like 
dark, shiny color. I like the flowers the most. Oh, yeah. An adorable, fragrant flower that also like just falls down. They, they hang pendulously, so you can't just like walk over and be like, look at that flower. It's not in your face. It's a flower that you have to go find. Like a pair of woman's shoes on a, <laughs> on a power line. Just, just hanging on out there. Like, wow, look how beautiful it is. I think that this tree is probably, I'm going to give it a six and a half out of 10. Okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. It's wonderful. I wish the bark was better. I truly do. That would, that would put it up a little bit for me it's it's interesting in that it is the tree that brought the sun that like they hung stuff on to bring the sun out also yeah. because it's evergreen it has this idea of everlasting life and like permanence yes. and things like that amazing so it has all these mythic things to uh-huh. it but the it's it's very much like in a, on a different level than than other other plants where like certain plants they like the pomegranate for instance it's heavily heavily full of mythos because of like how it grows and how it's been used. Right. Yeah. Whereas this, it, it is, it's the plant that just has the gods kind of, it entices the gods to come into a space. It's, but like, that's it. Like, I don't know. It's on a different level. It's hard for me to describe. Okay. That's fine. Does that fine. make sense? You know, I think so. There's not like a particular aspect of the tree that everyone's like, oh, that aspect makes it that specific thing. Yeah. You know, like the pomegranate fruit it is like the certain colors and the certain shape and everything. And it makes this feel very like fertility goddess kind of thing. So it has this like this metaphor of use. Whereas in, uh. in the case of the sakaki, it's the tree itself. Like, it's like, no, no, no. There's nothing about me that is used to bring back the, the, the kind of gods, the goddesses. It is just me. You're saying sort of that the Sakaki won the mythological lottery. Yeah, I think so. Where everything else is, there's a purpose to it that it yeah. provides. In this case, it's just the existence of this tree. Okay. Period. Fair enough. So I think that that is doing a lot of heavy lifting for it because everything else except the flowers, I'm kind of like, meh. Yeah. Meh, whatever. I basically agree with you there. 6.5? 6. Yeah. 6.5 is what I give it. I'm sorry. Not everything is perfect. 6.5 Hokura. Of honor. Golden <laughs> Hokura of honor. All right. Well, the Sakaki. The leaves. Yes. Meh. Ooh. The bark. Meh. The f- overall morphology. Meh. The flowers. Meh. I like them well enough, but That's... they don't blow me away. Wow. The mythos. The cultural significance. The, um, the practical significance in terms of the indigenous religion right uh-huh. it's used for ceremony and stuff oh yeah yeah that's the opposite <laughs> of the man off the charts um i think i kind of have to ignore how this tree looks oh. to give my score because mm-hmm. it is not a stunner yeah it is not superfluous by any means <laughs> it is not attractive Wait, hold on isn't superfluous uh, you mean uh, superlative? Superlative, Alex! Alex, Alex, Alex. I do not like superfluous trees. You got that wrong. I like superlative trees. Thank you. That, uh, wow. for those of you who want a little bit of peek in the background, took us 10 minutes to remember <laughs> the word that we're actually trying to look up. 
But I, for Amazing. you, it took a mere moment because of my <laughs> editing skills. Yes, 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 yes. Incredible. Uh, um, yes, I like superfluous trees only uh, so that I can just walk right over them. Sure. Oh my God. <laughs> Was it worth it? So yes. <laughs> nothing about this tree is superlative. Yes. Except for its meaning to people. True. And as you know, I love a tree that gives back. This means food. Mm-hmm. This means cultural significance, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, ceremonial significance. Mm-hmm. And this tree, oh boy, has it got it. I mean, like, this might be like top 10 yeah. uh, important trees to this sort of thing in the world, right? Yeah, I think so. And it's always, it's always hard to, like, make those, those analogies, those comparisons. But yes, I mean, yeah. this is the sacred tree a, of Japan. It's not a contest, but... Yeah. It, there is no denying that this tree is is like, wow. It's in the fucking creation myth, man. Exactly. Casey, yeah. I would be silly to not give this tree a 9.0 out of 10. Wow. Certainly, we approached it from different places. And that's <laughs> the beauty of completely arbitrary. Isn't that the beauty of it? Wow. You're completely, and I'm arbitrary. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> That was our <laughs> review of the Sakaki. We hope you enjoyed it. Casey. Yes, sir. I don't have a clever name for this. Maybe we will next week. But it is time for our segment where you and I discuss the movie that this episode is based on. I think that sounds great. This is Ghibli Chat. This week, of course... We watched and based this episode off of Spirited Away. Yes. Which is a film by Hayao Miyazaki. That's the whole fucking point. Um, Casey, this was your first Studio Ghibli movie. It was. Um, This movie came out in 2001. It did. It runs uh, for two hours and five minutes. That's correct. And let me tell you, does it fly by? Well, the first time I watched it, it did not fly by. Mm, Yeah. It crawled by. Because, as I told you, Casey, these movies, I will say, feel very different than Western media, mm, which mm-hmm. is very uh, strict and structured on a three-act structure. Yeah. I believe that these movies also have a three-act structure, but it's a little less uh, blunt and a little more nuanced. And so the first times I watched it, uh-huh. I was like, I don't know where the fuck we are in this story. Yeah, but you pay attention to those things like pacing and timing and where are we? I do. I was just watching it being like, okay. <laughs> and uh, then this happened. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, it's, it's the same thing with uh, like, uh, what is it? Um, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh. Same thing where I was just like watching it, watching it, watching it, watching it. And now it's yeah. done. I was like, oh. Oh, okay. It's like a Coen Brothers movie. God. There is no beginning, middle, or end. It just starts, then, then it's in the middle, <laughs> yeah. and then it is done. Eventually, it stops. Yeah. <laughs> See? Oh, well, I wish I could watch movies like that. Uh, it's torture. Um, <laughs> so, uh, at, at its on its kind of uh, surface level, Spirited Away is about a young girl, 10-year-old girl named mm-hmm. Chihiro. Her family is moving to a home in the country. She's mm-hmm. leaving her old school and her old friends behind. Mm-hmm. Um, they get a little lost Ooh, on the way to their new home. A little bit, uh, a little bit hubris on the dance part. That's right. 
and they end up sort of in this what appears to be almost like a boardwalk. Um, it, it reminds me a little bit of like uh, what's it called? Like the Atlantic City boardwalk. Or yeah, whatever. right. It's it's called a, an amusement park. Yes, uh, which they make a That's reference right. to as being something that is. Uh, it was developed heavily in the mid early eighties in Japan. Oh wow! And then in the late eighties, there's a huge economic crash, and like I think into the nineties. Wow! And so then a bunch of these places just closed <sighs> and just became kind of these ghost towns. That is really interesting. And, and hey, they make <laughs> literally, a reference. yeah, <laughs> yes, literally, yeah, yeah. So they 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 come across uh, her and her parents come across this um, this restaurant that yep. appears to have like huge bowls of food set out ready to go just to, ready yeah and yeah. the parents start eating they can't they can't even contain themselves no it is very it's almost creepy they're like they're a little they're a little obsessed yeah. almost yeah, yeah, yeah with yeah. consuming feels like they're under a spell wow hmm. um chihiro leaves and ends up uh through through many plot points that we won't get into. And uh, we should say, uh, oh. patently refuses to eat the food because it is not theirs. That's she says, right. No, this isn't ours. We shouldn't be eating it. And her parents almost like try to get her to, oh, it's okay. We, I have, he, dad says, I have cash and credit cards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, dad. Little little humble brag there. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, I I read up on this. It, that was very much a uh, call on Americans, oh. where Americans like it doesn't matter. I got money for the okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he's also wearing a uh, American style polo shirt. Yeah, and drives an imported Audi car. That's right. Mm-hmm. Interesting, Casey. Yeah, you know a little bit more about this than you let on. Well, it's only because they have a lot of interesting Wikipedia pages out there. Alex. <laughs> So Chihiro leaves and ends up uh, working at a bathhouse. Yes, finds herself in the spirit world, nonetheless. a bathhouse for spirits. Um, And she is a human and in the spirit world. Uh, and she, her, the kind of the main goal of, of the, her story is to escape and get her parents back. Exactly. And so she works hard at the bathhouse to do that. Yeah. It was a, a very interesting tale because I didn't, I was expecting uh, that there's a lot of uh, imagery and symbolism that kind of is, is peppered through. Mm-hmm. And I was right. Thank you very much. Everyone. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, but I was reading up on a lot of it because a lot of it also has to do specifically with Shinto yes. as an idea. And so each one of the spirits or any of the spirits in the whole spirit world inside this bathhouse, mm-hmm. uh, which is where spirits go to essentially get themselves cleaned and have a little uh, little spa day. Yep. And then they leave and they go back to do whatever they're doing. And the whole the whole thing is that you get to know this personification of the spirits of these other things that exist. Mm-hmm. So there was like a radish, I think. I think it was a radish, a radish uh, spirit. Spirit, yep. which I was like, that's that's what I love that. Like, which which is a thing that is real. Is it really? Yeah, but they don't look quite like this guy looks. Oh, okay. He looks like a big overgrown radish. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but they I, don't look like that in in Shinto. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, radish don't, don't, or the... The, the radish spirits don't. Oh, okay. Because yeah. that's, I had no idea. Like, yeah. I've never given a thought of like, well, what do these spirits look like? I assume they are just of and by the things that they are. Sure. But of course, there are things that are representative of it, but also like, what would that form be like? And they use their imagination to think, what would the form of a radish 
spirit look like? Yeah. If it became kind of personified, you know? And he's he's very adorable. He's a little creepy. Yeah, he is. He's a, yeah. I, you, can't, you just can't trust him. And then you find out, like, as they go through the thing, he seems like he's kind of on her side. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he yeah. for sure is. Um, she, at one point, ends up, uh, there's a what they call a stink spirit. Yes. Originally, he's this big like muck monster comes in. This is probably yeah. my favorite sequence of the mm, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and where also where a big thematic point arises. Yes. Uh this stink spirit, I'm putting in air quotes, uh-huh. uh gets a big bath. Yeah. And um they end up they end up uh pulling in in the process of bathing the spirit, they end up pulling a bunch of mud covered garbage yeah. out of him. It almost to me looks like a like a the what is it? The thorn and the lion. Isn't this a thing that happens somewhere? Is maybe I think it's a lion. It might be an elephant. Oh, There's, the thorn and the lion's paw. Or yeah, something. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Where you can't get it out, and so it's just like really angry and pissed off. Yes. And it just takes like one compassionate little creature to uh-huh. say, "I'll pull that out for you." Yes. And then the lion becomes very happy and sweet again. Yes. This was a similar thing where there was one little like bit of a bicycle's, I think, handlebars that uh, at the time now it's Sen finds because yes. now the 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 witch who runs the bathhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, will take your name. Yeah. So she took the second syllable, the second symbol from her name. Do you know about this? Uh, I don't really. I, I okay. learned a little bit, but yeah. Can you explain that real sure. fast? Sure, yeah. Well, she, uh, Chihiro signs her name on a contract to work at the bathhouse. Yes. Which is how Yubaba, the uh, owner of the bathhouse, mm-hmm. controls the people who work there. She literally steals their name. Yeah. And she, she sort of does this... Uh, magical hand wave above it and the symbols the characters um lift off the page leaving one character yeah and that is sen which is a part of chihiro's name exactly and sen means 1000 yeah and so I, I think the idea is that to her her employees are just like you're just a number now yeah exactly um, yeah. yeah so sen is now this character, and Sen finds that little thing and says, oh, I see why you're so unhappy and stinky right now. Mm-hmm. And then everybody, including Waibaba, Yababa? Yubaba. Yubaba. Yeah. Yubaba says, wow, oh my gosh, we gotta help out this spirit, our client. And then they like tie a rope around it and they pull it out and it creates this cascade of trash and garbage. Mm-hmm. And then they blast out this certain like fancy infusion, right? And then what happens after that, Alex? The real form of the spirit comes out. And it's a river spirit. Yes. And the river spirit was polluted. Yeah. Ah! I know. I love that. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like Um, they need to cleanse the river of all the pollution that has destroyed it and turned it into a stink spirit. And uh, minor spoilers for this movie, by the way, if you haven't seen it. So if you want to go watch it, watch it now before we talk about the rest of this. Because... You've been spoiled. You've been warned of spoilers. You have spoiled. <laughs> you have spoiled. I'm going to throw you in the trash. Um, you are now a stink spirit. <laughs> River spirits in this movie are represented by uh, uh, Japanese style, I should say maybe Asian style dragons. Yeah. Which yeah, are more yeah. like snake like. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of the main characters, uh, Haku. Mm-hmm. who is another spirit who works at the bathhouse and is the one to help Chihiro escape. Yeah. Um, he it takes on the form of a dragon. And toward the end, uh, 
Chihiro realizes that he is a river spirit and calls him uh, by his real name, which yeah. is the name of the river that, that she knows him from. Yeah, he um, saved her once. Yes, he pushed her when she was drowning. He pushed her to the shore. And she says, uh, like, she says the name of the river and she says, that's all apartments now. Yeah. And it's all apartments. Casey, I thought of you because we have, you have something that's been on your mind lately has been development. And there's, yeah. There's been a development in, uh, the story of this farm in, uh, and, uh, the Willamette Valley. That's, Oh yeah. There's a new story that I was reading about last week. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you're very passionate about development. You worked for the mm-hmm. city for many years and are, are on the side of, you work for the people and the trees specifically. Right. Um, so I thought about you when, when, uh, yeah. she said, and it kind of broke my heart when she said, that's all apartments now. Yeah. There's no more river. The river's gone, which is know? why he doesn't know who he is yeah. and, and he's lost. Exactly. I, I love that because that is, uh, it's where it brings environmentalism and like, uh, other like ideas in Japanese culture to the forefront and marries it with their kind of indigenous religion, this mm-hmm. Shinto idea that there are spirits within everything and if you crush something or you get rid of it then you're 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 getting rid of the spirit at the same time you're yeah. not honoring that and if you are contrasting that specifically the movie does this quite a bit contrast it against european and namely american consumerism that obviously the parents literally turning into pigs yeah. as they are eating and looking like western americanized kind of people yeah and this kind of clash of culture versus this clash of um, new age, new age, modern capitalism, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I love that this is a movie that is about that. Not to mention, this is something that I have run into a lot is that it is from the perspective of a 10 year old girl, like, experiencing these things and coming of age and also learning about what it's like to, you know, see these things and understand spirits. Yeah. And so it's like, more important, I think, that kids are taught these things rather than grow up and become a doctor and make millions of dollars. Yeah. Like to say, yeah, consider the spirits of everything else, you know, and that will get them, kids, to see things not as objects to be used, but as entities that exist in their own rights that should be kept clean and beautiful and that are like our spirits have spirits within them. So don't treat them just like trash or else then you're just trashing the spirit. Yeah. Casey, very well said. I, you know, Miyazaki is legendary for a reason. Mm. Uh, his movies aren't just like cutesy animated movies. Yeah. They are so rich and so deep and have so much going on in them. Both visually, this, this movie refreshes itself a lot. No, nothing ever gets like really boring because there's just always like a new environment or a new room that they're in or yeah. some sort of new visual uh, thing happening. But they're also just like the message in them is so beautiful and so clear. And I think it goes back to we've talked about before. We're not Japanese experts uh, or Japan experts, but we've talked about our what we've noticed in Japanese culture, which is this sort of this sort of um, meeting this crossroads of tradition and modern ideas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And these movies are a I, I would say these movies all of them that I've seen are a perfect representation of that. Yeah. Um, they bring in a, a lot of traditional, you know, indigenous Japanese ideas, but then you have this modern 10 year old girl, 
um, experiencing all these things. Yeah, right? That was our discussion of Spirited Away. What a great movie. What a lovely film. I also want to say, in terms of like, you know, we, we can have all these like philosophical discussions about Spirited Away and its themes and it's all this important shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also just very pleasant to watch. Mm-hmm. I put yeah. it on in the background sometimes while I'm like doing housework and I'll just like walk by it and smile. You're like, yeah. oh, I love those. I love that funny turnip spirit. <laughs> well, so cute. For the the only thing that I want to ask you while uh, while we transition to our last segment, yeah, is this, Alex? How long do you think the car was parked there? Now this is interesting because when she gets back to her parents. It's almost like a Narnia thing where it, it fe- to her, it feels like it's been weeks. Yeah. But they're like, there you are. Come on. We're going to be late. Yeah. And they act like it's been 20 minutes. Right. So I think that, I think that there's like this interdimensional thing happening where she, when yes. she enters the spirit world, time moves differently. Time, you know, maybe time doesn't even exist. Yeah. Um, the sun still rises and sets. There's like night uh-huh. cycles, whatever. Yeah. But when she gets back, I think it's, I think once they went through that and they say, he said, he even says, this isn't old. This is like artificial. It's plaster. Yeah. This tunnel that they go through. Yeah. And at the very front of that tunnel is a, uh, a, a stone spirit. Yeah. Um, marking the entrance to the spirit world, mm-hmm. a barrier. Mm-hmm. So I believe that she probably got out of the car in the real world walk through that tunnel yeah. and then like disappeared to go play. Yeah. And yeah. then, and that's what they have. Like the, 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 the forest kind of grows in, there's a bunch more moss over the front of it. Like, but it looks, Oh, right. It looks like, like it's been months. Wow. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Kate. When they, they're pulling away mm-hmm. at the very, very end, driving down back down the road, they came. Yeah. There's lots of overgrown stuff. Everything's overgrown. The, the, the initial wall, like you kind of see the bricks with the plaster on the top of it. Then when they leave, it's all covered in green as in like the plants <sighs> grew over the top of it. The there's dust on the car. They make a note. There's like, ah, the car's so dirty. Was it some kind of prank? Like leaves fell on it. I completely missed that. Yeah. So I'm curious how long in the real world, in the parents world. Yeah. How long were they there? Because their whole thing is we're going to be late to see, we got to meet the movers. Yeah. And do you think that the movers are like, where the fuck? <laughs> like, we we just dropped your stuff off months ago. Yeah, they've been no foreclosed on by this point. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm very curious. They, they never they never touch it. But uh, maybe this is just I'm just a bad like spiritual person. Well, where I'm just like now, how long yeah. has it actually been? Anytime you get into like time travel or like spirit world, like there's yeah. gonna be some like questions of like, well, how does that work? It's very fair. Well, see, it, in uh, the famous movie uh, Inception, they they cover that. It's like they they give it they give a timeline. They oh know. yeah, you, you know how long it is. God, what a terrible movie. That movie's not terrible. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right, Casey. <sighs> that was our discussion of Spirited Away. We hope you wow. enjoyed it. It is time for our completely arbitrary AMA. Wow. Casey, this is our first question from our brand new support platform, Completely Arbitrary Tremium. And our website for that has an amazing Q&A section where you can post a question, we can answer it, and we'll send you a, a, basically it sends you an email once we say that we've answered the question with a timestamp to the episode in which it's placed. Amazing. It's great. 
Casey, this week's question is from... Not set. <laughs> we say that because we have a setting incorrect somewhere on our website, uh, our new platform, where we cannot see who asked this question. Yeah, we're, but, uh, yeah, we're working on some bugs here. Yeah, uh, we, you know, we're smoothing out the folds. Yeah. Um, but anyway. you will know it is you when you hear the question, and we thank you for this great question. Love it. Casey, hypothetically... If someone in the Pacific Northwest wanted to start producing delicious tree syrup in a few decades, uh-huh. what would be the best syrup to go all in on? And they say, if the answer is the sugar maple, would the syrup theoretically be as good as the stuff that comes out of the famous maple syrup production areas like New England and Canada? Or is there something special about that climate? Is there something in the water like New York pizza? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, first off, why are they putting water in New York pizza, Alex? <sighs> it's this new trend. You get pizza and you get a glass of water and you pour the water on the pizza. No shit. It's really good. Huh. I don't know. Don't 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 hate on it. So yeah, you try sounds it. really good. Sounds like something I'm definitely <laughs> gonna try. Definitely gonna try. What do you think, Case? Well, the answer is well. Don't wait any decades. Just go do it right now on the big leaf maple. Ah. Yep, that is the newest, coolest thing. West Coast cousin of the sugar maple, eh? Yes, exactly. And they are very actively trying to do this. In fact, uh, there is a whole group in uh, in Oregon trying to make maple syrup out of big leaf maples. Wow. But, yeah, Oregon State University's got a whole thing that the, they're working on it. Of course they do. There's other people who've tried to do this. Um, in fact, I think I just Googled it real fast, and there's a Nell's Big Leaf Maple Syrup thing that's uh, in Washington. So it is here, and people are actively doing it. Uh, and apparently the flavor is just a little bit more uh, zingy, I guess is the, the kind of term zingy, for it. Zingy, okay. Yeah, so it, it every maple tree, every tree has its own kind of personal chemistry mm-hmm. and so the chemistry that adds certain flavors to or doesn't have certain flavors on a different species uh you just have to figure that out by trying them so interesting they're all essentially the same sugars like throughout trees you know the saccharine bits it's uh-huh. all the photosynthetic sugars that the trees make however uh it just might be a little bit uh i think more robust like it's a uh, it's not quite so smooth, but I haven't tried it. This is just mm. the things I've heard. So, like, you uh, you remember you and I had uh, black walnut yes. syrup? yeah. And it was, like, intense. It was really something. Yes. This is the similar, similar kind of okay. thing. Okay. Yeah. I, I will say that was, like, it almost tasted like they just concentrated it for too long. Oh. It was just, like, really pure concentrated syrup flavor. Yeah. See, I think that is the same that they do with maple syrup from the sugar maple. Yes. I'm sure that it's the same process and yeah. I don't think they fucked it up. I just think like that's, that was sort of like the, the taste impression that gotcha. I got. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just like very intense. Like a little goes yeah. a long way. Exactly. And I okay. think that that's pretty similar for uh big leaf maple, but Interesting. no one has sent it to us yet. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get that um, done. So, so yeah. How long does a, how long do you reckon a big leaf maple, if I went out and planted a sapling today? Yeah. In its natural habitat here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh-huh. How long do you think it would take to get to the sugaring stage? Ooh, I think they only need to be a few feet in diameter or a few inches in diameter. Like oh. maybe six or eight. Like it doesn't need to get huge. But a six or eight year old tree, big leaf maple, it's probably going to take you maybe 20 years to get there. Oh, geez. Yeah. But there are plenty that are already around. So if you happen to live somewhere that has big leaf maples already growing, uh-huh. which is 
a likelihood for sure. Yeah. You could probably use them to make a little bit of syrup. There you go. Yeah. Well, th- thank you so much for your question, Not Set. If you've got a question for us, hey, wow, this is my first time saying join Completely Arbitrary Tremium. That's wow. arbitrarypod.supercast.com. It is the best way to support this podcast. There are a couple different levels there. Annual subscriptions, gifted subscriptions, everything you would want as bonus material for Completely Arbitrary. I'll say it kind of completes the compendium. It really does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can get extra episodes to hear all the other things that we don't necessarily get to talk about. That's right. You'll be surprised to hear that sometimes I talk too much about trees. And Alex Mm. says, "Um, we're just going to put that over here. (laughs) And it works out really nicely. (laughs) We'll side dish for the supporters. Exactly, exactly. Again, that is arbitrarypod, A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y, pod.supercast.com. That link can also be found on our website, arbitrarypod.com, and in the bio of our Instagram, at arbitrarypod. You can find us, is what we're saying. Just Google it. You'll get there. (laughs) Casey... Alex Croson. What a great way to start Triyazaki. I'm having a great time so far. I am too. I what, cannot wait for next episode. What is next episode going well, to be? Next episode, we are going to be talking about the classic My Neighbor Totoro. Oh, Totoro. Probably the the uh, cinematic character that I resonate most with, oh, Totoro. Oh, really? This big, fuzzy, friendly person, uh, creature. That wants to sleep uh, all day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That does that. Uh, that does feel a lot like Alex Grossman. Okay. This is gonna be good. Um, my neighbor Alex. Yes, my neighbor Alex, and my neighbor Casey. And yeah. The, these neighbors will see you next time, sweet listeners. Goodbye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Abes and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>